Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. But this morning we're starting a new teaching series as well. And this is a series I've been thinking about for a while. And we've called this teaching series Higher Love. Any of you ever heard the song? There's a song, I think, Higher Love. I'm committed to I'm going to sing it. I'm going to sing it at the end of this series. <laughs> Now you laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Facebook joke, everybody's not. I say I'm going to, yeah, anyway. Uh, I, I'm not going to sing the song. But we thought it'd be so important for us to remind ourselves that the way the world talks about love is not the way the Bible talks about love. That the way the world teaches us about relationships and commitment and friendships, it's not the way the Bible does. And we often need a reminder of this deeper, higher perspective of understanding love. And I'm, I'm tempted to do this as much as you are. I'm tempted to think of love as something that I feel. So if I don't feel like a connection with my wife or with a friend, I mean, I don't know, you know, we're disconnected. You know, we have a culture where we ghost people if we don't hear from them for a little while. Or also, you know, the, the many things I hear when I talk to people about relationships is love is connected to whether someone makes me happy. If they don't make me happy, probably we don't have, you know, it's not going to work. And we have all these skewed perspectives on love, and we rarely have spaces where we mature in understanding of what love is. All of you know this. But as you grow, you understand that love is much bigger than just how we feel, how you feel, whether you're having a good day. And there's these amazing, beautiful stories in the Bible that invite us to see love as this higher calling of relationships that are built on our love for God and our love for people that we stick together in dark times and difficult times, stressful times. And we're learning to do that together, so maybe you need that in your own life. We're actually doing this by going through a book in the Bible called the Book of Ruth. Now, I know for some of you that's maybe new, you're like the book of Ruth. Some of the guys are like, Babe Ruth? Is Babe Ruth in the Bible? No, it's not Babe Ruth. Uh, there, there's actually the story of a wonderful uh, family and a young woman named Ruth that we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks together. It's four chapters. What's beautiful about this book is you can read it. All of you can read it. Siri can read it for you if you don't like to read. Uh, you know, you can just go through it. But if you have one of these Bibles as well, one of the things I wanted to show you, maybe you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. When you grab a Bible and you look at just at the beginning of the table of contents, you can just land right at the book of Ruth. It's harder to find because it's a small book. And it's on page 20, let me see, 208 of this Bible. So if you're like, I don't even know how to look for a book in the Bible, this Bible is great. It even has page numbers. So that means we would love for you to grow in reading your Bible to learn about this with us. So you don't get here and you're like, I didn't know what was going on. We want you to kind of know and grow with us. And this kind of series is a series that if you miss a week, you kind of will feel a little bit lost. So that's my way of saying don't miss church, okay? So the, the beginning of the book of Ruth, if you open it up, I promise you, you will be tempted as I was to read the first few verses and be like, I'm out of here. Back to Netflix. 
Because you're like, what kind, of, what kind of story is this? It's a messed up story of pain and suffering and discouragement. And I know, like you know, that the minute you start to hear about that, you're like, I'm into positivity. I'm about blessing. I'm about good energy. Do I really need to read those kind of books? But the Bible reminds us that real life is more than just those things. The Bible reminds us that life is becoming people who can handle pain and suffering and know how we can learn to trust God in those moments. So if you open the book of Ruth, this is how it will begin. This is what we're told. In the day when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. This is so important. You're going to need to remember this the whole time we're in this series. You're going to need to remember the importance of this crisis. And if you want to remember, remember the word famine. Famine means that people are getting to the place where they have no more food to live. And I wanted to kind of give you a map because for some of you, you know, I have times in my life where I'm visually seeing something helps to see a map, have a visual snapshot, is that the people are going to go from a region of Jerusalem and Bethlehem, the region kind of on the green side there, and they're going to travel to Moab because of desperation. They're going to decide, this family, a husband, his wife, and their two sons are going to leave a place that they know well, a safe place, and go to an unknown land. Have you ever been that desperate in your life? Have you ever had to do that? Have you ever lived through a famine? Have you ever wondered at night when you go to bed where your kids are going to eat the next day? By God's blessings on this land, many of us will never say yes to any of those questions. Never. And that's God's blessing on us. And then when we read stories like this, we can be like, well, that's not my life. It's not my problem. I don't care. And forget that more than, you know, half of the world's population at times will go with one meal a day. And we can miss the, the importance of feeling the pain, the suffering, the weight of so many people just because, you know, it doesn't apply to me and my life is great and I just hope I have a better job and whatever. So part of what we want to do together as we learn the Bible is to hear how God speaks to people in the midst of pain because sooner or later we will find ourselves doubting God when we experience pain. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because it's so easy to miss. That a famine means, we all know this, no food. That's very easy. We kind of all know that. But a famine in the Bible also means no future. And a famine in the Bible also means no worship. Now that's very strange for us to understand because when you read the Old Testament and you read books in the Bible without understanding the context, you kind of can easily get lost. And that's why we hope you bring your Bible and are in home groups or in Alpha like you're learning with us. But one of the reasons that famine meant no worship is because people needed the crops, the land, whether it was grain, whether it was an animal, to use in offering when they went to the temple, when they worshiped God. They actually needed food as part of giving back to God. We do this with our money, right? We say, God, this is yours. It's a thankfulness for how good you've been to us, right? Now, I could bet that none of you this morning woke up, got ready, and thought, I got to go get the goat in the backyard and put it in the trunk and bring it to church. Now, if you bring us a goat, amen, that'd be great. But all of us know if you showed up at the door, coffee station with goat, we'd be like, that's kind of weird. We don't do that anymore, right? But in the Bible, whenever people thought about worship, they thought about the land. Whenever they thought about worshiping God, they thought about God's blessing with their food and their resources. And this family right now is realizing that they may have to make a very painful decision. They have to decide together where it's time to leave a safe place, even though they have no food, they know the people who live there, and go to a place called Moab. And you're given a little clue as to 
what period of the Bible this is by being told that this is a time when the judges ruled. Now, that's another section of the Bible, and you may, some of you have heard of the book of Judges, but you'll see on the slide just the context of the judge period, the judges period. It says it on the screen there. There was no king in those days. Different parts of the books of Judges tell us, if you want to know one thing, there's many, but if you want to know one thing about how hard it was for this family in the book of Ruth and for the people living at this time, is that there was no king for the people. No king meant there was many judges, many people who did what they want. It was a very tribal time where all these different groups did whatever they want, right? It's like, think about being on like the internet with all these voices and everybody has an opinion, right? It's like constant and that means there's also no justice, the authority, the order of a king. So it's very chaotic. And on top of that, if we needed it to get worse, there's no food. And this family has to decide what they're going to do. So they make this decision. In desperation, they say, we have to take the step and we have to go. And they go to a region of Moab. Moab is the place where the people of God shouldn't go because it's the place where all the people who worship other gods that are not the true gods to them are. And if you're really into the Bible and you're into like the details of the scholarship of the Bible, some of you know this, that the word Bethlehem, which is where they're from, means house of bread. And the writer knows that everybody's going to help, help us think about that the people who live in a, the place called the house of bread have no bread. And they're going to the place of the people who are disobedient, who don't love God, who are not the real people of God, and they have bread. So you know how hard it is to go to another place and then to be ready to hear people say to you, where has where your God been? Didn't, don't you pray to your God? Doesn't he provide for you? How come he hasn't answered your prayers? Oh, you've come to see us in Moab for help. Well, it's very interesting. Would you worship our gods at some point? Like, we don't get the details of that because we can just read it and just move on or get sleepy and be like, I don't know, I'm moving on. But this is what we're told next. Something happens even more discouraging. We're told this. Now, Elimelech, the man, the husband, Naomi's husband, died in Moab. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other named Ruth. After they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilon also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Wow. This is where you close the Bible and you just kind of move on. Nobody expects this. But everybody has lived through the moment where you thought you were making a wise decision and it goes from bad to even worse. We've all done this. I've done this like my whole life. You know, I'm like, I'm in this relationship. It's not working. It's going to be better when I find this person. And you meet them and it's not as good. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying, right? You're like, wow, maybe the issue, I got to think about some things in my own life. Or student, if you have a teacher, oh, you know this feeling, right? You're like, I have this teacher. They're a bad teacher. I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch my course. I'm going to get a better teacher. We're so lucky with our reviews. I could review the teacher. You go to another class, the teacher's even worse. More homework, more time. Our life is filled with these decisions. And then you're like, Oh, it's worse. And this is not just worse in a simple way. This is worse in like a death way. That right at the beginning of the book of Ruth, we're dealt with famine, no future, wondering about God's love, and now funerals for people. Three widows are left in the story. Three widows with no men. In the ancient world, it would have meant going to die. Today, we live in a different culture. We have systems in place that care for this. We've, we've changed how we view our relationships. But to read that in the Bible would have meant that Naomi and now her two daughter-in-laws are in so much trouble. 
They're in so much trouble, and we have to live with the pain of reading this and asking, asking ourselves this very important question. Why is this even in the Bible? When we read these moments and we feel this pain, we're like, what are we supposed to do with this? And maybe I'm going to help you with, to think about this for your own life and maybe for the future. That at some point, each of us hits a crossroad moment in our lives where we have to deal with some of these questions about pain and suffering and what it means to trust God in those moments. I often call them if-God moments. And I have a list of dif- different if-God things that we often say. Like, if God is real, why? What would you say? If God is loving, then why is this going on? Now, if God is good, why is this all this war in the world? If God is listening, how come my prayers are not getting answered? Which one of these best represents your own life? People that you love. People that you you journey with. A family member, a a child, a a student. You're with them and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I have these questions sometimes. I feel these questions when I look around what's going on in the world. Over the years, I've learned that there's no easy way through these questions. There's never easy way through the questions that remind us that in our humanity and in our limited perspective of the world, we're depending on God to help us maybe just see the next week, maybe just see the next hour, the next, just the next chapter. And God in the Bible gives us all of these prayers to help us pray these kinds of questions. You know what's so beautiful about the Bible? God never gets mad when we ask these kinds of questions. He actually invites us to say, you should have that question. You should wonder about pain. You should wonder about why pain and suffering in the world even bothers you to begin with. And over the years as a pastor, I've walked with people through some of these moments, moments where they've wondered about these kinds of questions. And oftentimes I I do this short little exercise with them that I want to share with you that you can maybe do as well. It's a little exercise, it's a conversation thing that I help people with to just help them understand that maybe the pain that they're facing or the suffering that they're in, maybe they're not seeing beyond that. So I'll I'll often do this exercise, we'll do it together. You ready? If you're online, you can do this with us. I'll say, let's just agree maybe that all of this is false. Let's just agree. Let's just admit that none of this is true. Some of you are already nervous. You're like, what kind of church is this? I'm here for the word. Anyway, so let's just admit that maybe God is not real. Let's do that. Check. And the person says, you don't know what happened to my life. You don't know about my parents. You don't know about my... Okay, let's just admit together that maybe God is not loving. Let's agree. Let's agree that God is not good. There's some other being up there who's good and bad, and when he wants, he just kills, kills people with lightning. Let's believe that. Or let's just believe that God is not listening. Let's go through that with you and live with that. And at the end, after I do that with people, to just say, I, I feel that with you. Right? Let's just agree that maybe none of this is true. I often ask them, do you feel better? Do you feel better now? It's going to be great. Hope you have a great week. Go get them. You realize that even if you say no to these questions, you're still left with the pain of trying to figure out why is suffering and dying in our world always still there? That even if you're an atheist, you have to deal with these questions. And so Christians and other people find ourselves all at the same place and saying, God, We sometimes are not sure how to see you when things don't look good. We don't know how to understand what you're doing when things don't feel like you're listening to us or answering our prayers. Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws are living in a time where they're working through these questions. They're going to be wondering about a whole lot of things about God. But there's a glimpse of good news right in the, the introduction of the book. 
that after this pain and suffering and discouragement, Naomi gets some good news that might be the beginning of a next chapter for her. And this is what we're told happens. That when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people or her people by providing food for them, and food for them, and she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. This is such a, a tense moment in the story. Because these two daughter-in-laws are with uh, Naomi, and they're there, and part of the culture was for them to stay with a mother-in-law now they know who's a widow. She has nothing. And Naomi's pain is so deep in this moment, I can't even imagine what I would say to her if I sat with someone in that kind of pain. That she's heard some good news, that God has started to answer the prayers of her people, that maybe she's going to go back home, she's going to leave Moab and make her way back. And she says to these two daughter-in-laws, you know what, I want to be left alone. You go back to your families. You go back. Because you don't need to come with me. And Naomi knows something that some of us can easily forget. That to bring two girls from Moab back to Bethlehem would have been seen as such a difficult thing to happen would have been seen as such a strange thing. And so Naomi does what maybe you would have done. She just says, listen, there's, there's some news I'm getting that maybe I'm going to go back to where I came from. And I think for you two girls, you could go back and start your lives all over. If you read the whole chapter, which you will, right? 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 I'll catch you lying right now. Yes. You're going to see. She says, like, I'm so old, I can't even remarry, and I can't, you can't even have new husbands. I can't even give you new sons. you got to read it. But she knows something that everybody knows, that these two girls, Orpha and Ruth, never envisioned their life to go like this. The wedding book they looked at never had. Husband dies. The dreams of their kids and being grandparents, no, no one prepared for this. Isn't that true for us? So many things in our lives. They don't turn out the way we envision them they're going to turn out. We prepare, we plan, we do our best, and then stuff happens and you're like, oh my God, like everything's falling apart. I prayed, I was a good Christian, I loved God, I did my best, and why aren't things coming together? Although there's good news, although God is starting to answer the prayers of his people, Naomi is not ready to let the good news take root in her own heart. And she says, you go back and leave me alone. Leave me alone. It's always a dangerous place. It's always a dangerous place when you can convince others to just leave you alone. And Naomi's in this moment where she's feeling that tension. She's feeling that pain. Maybe you're here and you know what that's like. Or you know somebody who's alone, who wants to be left alone. And, and there's all kinds of things that grow in that space. Anger, doubt, depression, can I encourage you that if you're in that kind of space, God maybe has you there to remind someone that maybe they don't have to go through these kinds of things alone? That maybe God has some good news for them, even though they feel like their whole life is falling apart? This is the beginning of the story in the book of Ruth. And then it happens. That powerful moment where, uh, one more time, like Naomi's going to kind of ramp up the mother-in-law, uh, uh, you know, like authority. Some of you have in-laws like that? Some of you, you know? You have the in-laws. You're like, I'm not sure if I could talk to my mother-in-law, my father-in-law like that. I have a great, great in-law, so if you're watching, we we'll love you. But, uh, but Naomi's going to be like, let me just explain one more time. This is what she says. She's going to mother-in-law it, right? Hardcore. She says this, return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. 
It is, it's, it's more, it, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. You want to underline that in your Bible? As they wept aloud again, then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. If you've ever been around people who are working through deep pain about a difficult situation, you know the feelings of these verses. You know the feeling of having to make a decision where it's not clear what to do. Do you stay? Do you go? Does, does Ruth stay? Orpha leaves? Are, are they doing the right thing? You know, you have all these moments. If you've been here at our church from the beginning of the fall, you know that we went through a teaching series and we talked about a value called what does it mean that we become discerning disciples? Discernment is essential in this life. Because some of the most painful things we face, there's not just a verse in the Bible you can read. There's not just a tip you can get on the internet. You have to be formed into the kind of person that can handle the most painful and sometimes awkward situations. If you've ever sat with anybody who's cried loudly in a a moment of deep separation, you know how awkward that is. I've been with people in moments where they're, they're crying and they're praying, whether it's a funeral, whether it's a, a broken relationship, whether it's just a job situation, and they're feeling that, and everything in you in that awkward moment wants, you, wants to make you leave. Because we have something in us that when things get too awkward, we're like, I'm going to kind of leave now. Like, just imagine if that happened here. You'd be like, well, that church, it got weird. People started yelling and crying. I don't know. It's not for me. Because we don't know what to do with those moments. Because we're trained in our culture to like pass that on to a specialist and it's not my job to listen to you and I'm into things getting positive. Find just find positive things. So the Bible invites us to be people who can feel what it's like to wait to hear someone cry. To know what it's like to be in the presence of someone who's going through deep suffering and to not know the answer. It's kind of liberating to know that God helps us be present with people even when we don't have the answer for them. To say, like, I'm, not, I'm really not sure right now. But we're told something important in this passage that I don't want us to miss, is we're told a bit more how Naomi is making sense of her life now. That Naomi, as she thinks about her, her story, her husband being gone, her boys being gone, She's decided that there's a bitterness that she feels that she can only connect to God has turned against me. That's what she believes. I know many people that over time, when they experience difficult things, they can start to believe that. Have you ever got to that place in your life where you believe this? Where things go from bad to worse, your prayers, thing, and you're like, maybe, maybe God's just turned, turned against me. I remember sitting with a family once. They were going through a difficult time with their child in the hospital. And I remember they turned to me and they said to me, Pastor Dom, do you think God is punishing us? It just gets awkward. You're like, let me just back it up. One of the things I want to remind you, that in this life, when we start to feel our lives going to the place, our thoughts going to the place, we, we start to equate difficult times painful times with God punishing us, turning against us. That's never the way of Jesus. Never. I want to remind you this. It's so important that we remember that Jesus will teach us that when we face challenges in this life, that God has a way of correcting us, has a way of helping us through difficult times so that we can be restored, not so that we can feel like God is punishing us. 
or that God's turning against us. And we need to know that. We need to know that because even in the story, Naomi doesn't know that yet. Naomi doesn't understand that yet. But we who come to understand the Bible is fulfilled in the story of Jesus. We get something with the way Jesus teaches us to understand our pain and our suffering. This is huge for us or else we'd all just be Jews. But we're not. We're Christians. Because Jesus came to teach us how to make sense of those moments in a different way like people in the Old Testament didn't even understand. That God doesn't just look around to punish people. God's not just looking to turn, to to crush you because you made a mistake and you had a, a bad marriage. Is there correction? Is there consequences? Oftentimes we feel those. But it's always for us to have a sense of learning and growth and to feel a sense of restoration and love and God's grace. And Naomi doesn't know that. If you read the Bible and you learn about Jesus, you see Jesus will do this. He will find people whose lives fallen apart. Peter disowns him. Jesus will go see him. Say, Peter, I still got stuff for you to do. Maybe for you, this is kind of the step that you're at. You, you've somehow stuck in this moment to think all these things that have happened to you, maybe it's God's punishment, maybe the nonsense of karma in our culture. You believe that, stop believing that. All these other things, instead of saying, no, 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 even when it's challenging, even when it's challenging, God is good. And he enters those spaces to bring correction, to bring growth, but to restore me, to help me to grow so that I would become more like Jesus himself. Maybe that's the next step for you. That's the next journey you have to take. But in this story, in the next verse, is the first time Ruth lets her mother-in-law have it. Are you ready? It's great. It's great because some, some of you, you smiled. You're like, let's not smile too much, but I can't wait to hear it. Okay, she, for the first time, she kind of like, we've been hearing Naomi. We've been hearing the narrative. We've been hearing the story. And she finally, after crying, the weeping, the kind of Orpha's gone, Ruth is there. This is what she says to Naomi. So profound. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me be ever so severely if even death separates you and me. What? This section right here is the most important section for the rest of the book. You have to know this. So if somebody missed this Sunday and you see them, you're like, go listen online. The moment that Ruth says, I will speak now. She doesn't say that, but that's the vibe. I have something to say. My mother-in-law, who I love, who I cried with and walked with, I have something to say. You are wrong about God. That the bitterness that you feel is not the way we're going to define who we are. And she says something that nobody's ready for. Nobody in this room, nobody who read this book. Because if I knew that somebody's God had caused death to happen, caused suffering to happen, I would want to go as far as I can from that God. But Ruth says, I want more of your God. I want to go wherever you're going. Because you've never seen this, Naomi, but I've seen you go through suffering. And I've seen you go through pain. And you might feel bitter inside, but I've seen something of your God's life in you that I want more of. That's why this book is called the book of Ruth. That in that moment, Ruth says something to Naomi that will have to change the way she's seen her life. Some of you are here this morning and you've lived your whole life defining yourself by the most painful situation, by the biggest mistake you've made, by the, by the, by the suffering you felt. 
And God is trying to tell you, let's not define all of you by that moment. Let's remember that there's healing and restoration and hope that is available to you even when you don't see it yet. Because Ruth is about to do something that we have to learn to do, is to see through the suffering that people carry, to see through their pain and to say, we still see you learning to trust God just a little bit. I saw that. Ruth would have seen Naomi go through such painful times, such discouraging times, and it's just shocking that she would say, I want more of your God, not less. I want to go with you where you're going to go. And for a Moabite girl who's so young with no husband, to go back to Bethlehem with Naomi would have been the most difficult thing in her life. When people would have seen her, they would know, why is she here? Why did she come with you? Why didn't you leave her with her people? Ruth is like, no. I want to continue to go where you're going to go, Naomi. And stop telling me that I need to leave. Some of you in this room, God is preparing you to be Ruth for someone. We need to be the kind of church where we're growing into the kind of people that we can be with those who see the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of their lives and we step into those moments and say to them, we're not going to define you just by the most broken moment of your life. We're not. Because we still see that you're trying to pray and you're trying to grow and you're trying to trust Jesus, so let's keep walking. And you know what? I'm walking with you. And that's what Ruth does. This is exactly what Jesus will say when he comes and starts to talk about moments of pain that we will face. He says the most profound thing that would have caught everybody off guard. And this is what he says. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus will say this in a sermon. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is Jesus, not me, not you, not a tip. Jesus, do you believe this? For years in my life, I'm like, this is so dumb. If God loved us, why would he make sure we wouldn't mourn? Why do we have to go through mourning and then we got to wait for the comfort? Come on. Anyone? You're not saying it, but you believe it. It's the efficiency mechanism. For us, it makes sense that God fixes all things because we're helicopter people all around. Fix everything. Make it work. Jesus says it won't be that way in this life. There's going to be times where you will mourn. You will listen to people cry out loud. But in that moment, there is a special kind of comfort that is available to you. There's a special kind of comfort. Have you ever wondered how God comforts people? Have you ever wondered that? I could tell you how I did when I was like just a new Christian. I'm like, well, God sends angels. They pray and they get a funny feeling in their heart and they feel goosebumps in church. It's a magical idea. God comforts people in a strange way. I don't even know. It's, it's I don't know. Can I just encourage you so that you can know? God comforts his people with his people. God comforts other people by making us people that can be like Ruth. Jesus says, it's going to be so good for you when you meet one of my disciples who's been formed by me. Because when you mourn, they will help you be comforted. They will help you. We're going to be the kinds of people that God can use in people's lives. And some of you are here and you're depending on us being like Ruth. Or you will walk away. You will turn into a Naomi. You will be bitter and angry and start to believe the foolishness that God is against you because we were not Ruth. We will be Ruth. We will become that. We will say this is not the whole story. And this is not the whole truth. This is how it ends. So the two women went on until they, they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? She should have died. She's still here. 
Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I don't know if you've ever felt that your life has gotten so bad that you wanted to change your name so people only knew you from your bad moments in life. I don't know if you've ever had a child who struggled in school and they failed a year and they said from now on, call me failure. A few as parents would say, oh, that's a great thing. Let's go change your birth certificate. It's going to be great. Let's go do that. But Naomi has heard of the good news. She has Ruth with her, but her heart is still bitter. And her heart is still hurting. So you've got to keep reading to see the rest. But one of the most important things I want to tell you before we close I'm going to pray for us in a minute. Is Ruth will never call Naomi Mara. Never. That's like an amen moment, by the way. Never call her Mara. She will never let her believe that her most bitter moments, her most sad moments, her most painful moments are the lens by which she's going to understand the goodness of God, the love of God. And Ruth will say, I've seen it. God is still there. God is, God is showing us new things. And Ruth walks with Naomi. And next week, we'll look at what happens next in the story. I'm going to have you stand. And I'm going to invite you to think about what it means for you to begin to see your life as a life that helps people see through their suffering. For you, your story, you're watching online, you're listening on a podcast, in your car, at the gym, your story right now feels like Naomi's story. Death, discouragement, desperation, no food, no future. You feel all of that. And I just tell you that this morning we're here and we would love to encourage you and talk with you. We would love to listen. We would love to help you feel the weight and maybe help you know that you don't have to carry that pain alone. We have a prayer team. We have pastors on staff. We have just leaders who would love to walk with you in that. And we have also some midweek moments when you're easily find yourself at home alone, just doubting thoughts, just maybe just sign up for Alpha or Home Group. Easy step. Where it can be safe to share that a lot of brokenness in my life has led me to doubt God, to not believe He's good. I'm not sure if I really know how to pray. And if you're honest, you would even say, I get to moments where I maybe think God is punishing me, maybe. Maybe that's your story. Or for some of us, God's calling us to be like Ruth. God's calling us to become people who are like Ruth. So let me just pray for us as we think about that. Let's pray. Father, we invite you into this special moment. Together we want to see it as a sacred moment to become people that go back into a world filled with suffering as those who continue to walk with you and learn to trust you in the pain of our world. We want to admit right now that that will not be easy for us. We sometimes will feel like Naomi feels to define ourselves by the pain of bitterness, maybe wonder about your love for us, and I pray for anyone feeling that this morning, that you would step into that season of pain and that you would help them to know that they are not alone and that they don't have to face these challenges by themselves. Would you help us be a church that, that is raised up with a heart like Ruth had, that continues to walk with Naomi, and you would teach us throughout the series that you have a strength for us to help us 
encourage people to not define themselves by their worst moments. Jesus, as we go into this world, this will be so difficult, but we trust you. And we believe you when you said that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Use us for this and for the blessing of other people's lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, friends, thank you for being with us. If you're watching online, great to have you with us. We'll see you this week. I just have one last request, and I don't have many. We have a team helping us prepare for Fall Fest this Saturday, which you'll all be here, right? And we just need just a few people, if you can, as some of you grab your kids if you need to, just to help us close up some chairs and move them to that wall. So maybe in the next two or three minutes, as people trickle out, just help us move some chairs, and we're done. God bless everyone. Love you. Later. Later.